Well, good morning and welcome to Wheaton Bible Church's traditional service this morning. Special warm welcome to anybody who's tuning in for the first time. I'm so thankful for the means that enables us to continue to worship in this way, to worship God through singing and scripture, and just to be reminded of the fact that in Christ we are forever alive to God and dead to our sin, everlasting. Well, continuing in this online format brings a couple thoughts to my mind that I wanted to share with you before we start today. The first thought is that I miss seeing you. I miss our congregation. And as much as worship is a vertical act between us and God, the Bible also teaches that it is a horizontal blessing amongst his people. And so as we continue to do this, it only increases my longing to be back together, gathered as his people. The second thought that I wanted to share with you is that our desire as a team is truly to lead you in worship this morning. It's not meant to be a performance of any kind. And I just want to encourage you to lift your voices wherever you are. I encourage you to lift your hearts, your joys and your sorrows. Lift your hearts to God. We have a number of instrumental interludes even during Dr. Payne's prelude and postlude time. Take that time to interact with the Lord, to lift your joys and sorrows to him and worship him this morning. With all that said, let's begin with a call to worship from Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivers me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you, his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing.
Let's join together in the reading of Apostles' Creed and proclaim our unity together as God's people. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, one holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. 
Good morning, church, and welcome to my home. My name is Chad Lowe, and I serve as the interim campus pastor of Tri-Village Church, our Streamwood campus. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, I wanna say welcome. We are so glad that you are here. We believe that we are created for community, and it's so important to stay connected during this difficult time. If you would like to connect with our church more deeply, please visit wheatonbible.org connect. Someone from our team will reach out to say hi and to get to know you. We would love to help you grow in your faith and deepen your walk with the Lord, and we look forward to talking with you soon. Each and every week, our staff gets together by Zoom to pray over your requests. This week, we prayed for those who are in the hospital, those struggling with addictions, and for some students who are grieving the loss of their graduation ceremonies. Wherever you're at, whatever you're facing, we want to pray with you. So would you please take a moment to text PRAYER to the number on the screen. It'll get a prompt back, and please fill in your prayer requests. And if you'd like to stay anonymous, you can do that as well. And would you also please let us know if the Lord has answered any of your prayers. We want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. 
Last week, we made you aware of a need to help replenish local food pantries. And did you show up? Let's check out this video. All the food being collected today is in support of four specific food pantries in Carroll Stream, in Hanover Township, in West Chicago, in Warrenville. But actually those four food pantries specifically serve the residents of nine of our surrounding communities. We've anywhere from kids to, to older people coming out serving. There's been a lot of high energy. Um, complimenting, encouragement. It's been awesome to see. People are just eager to serve and help out. Everyone's got smiles. Everyone's excited to support each other. These guys, these kids are just killing it. It's like a good feeling, you know, like you're helping people by collecting this. I mean, within the first 25 minutes, we must have already seen 50 cars come through dropping off bags and boxes of food. What was one of the reasons you wanted to give today? Well, I saw my parents giving food and I was wondering what it was for, so I asked, what's it for? and I heard that it was a donation so that they can buy food. It feels good in your heart when you do something like that. Thank you. All of these donors have just, they've taken the time, they've gone shopping, they've been thoughtful to think about other people, and there is just no way that we could really show our gratitude and appreciation for all the support. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you, Tri-Village Church. Thank, Thank you, Church. Thank you. Thank you. Man, the impact that God is having through you and our local communities is incredible. As many of you know, both local and global missions has been a cornerstone for our church. We serve 90 missionaries in over 50 different nations around the world. Having these global partnerships during this pandemic has been instrumental, and I want to share a story with you. In North Africa, where the gospel cannot be shared freely, our partners are seeing an incredible response from university students who are spending more time online. In just the first few weeks of the pandemic, our partners in one North African nation alone shared the gospel with 236 students online. 33 made decisions to follow Christ, and 16 are already being discipled, all online. In a live chat, one college student wrote, I prayed the prayer you sent me yesterday, and I feel like I rebooted my soul, like I am brand new. God is at work around the world in this pandemic. And it's through your generosity that ministries, both in our local communities and on the other side of the world are possible. Would you please take a moment to prayerfully consider giving or making a reoccurring giving to Wheaton Bible Church to help support the local ministries and global ministries of this church. You can do so easily by texting Wheaton Bible to 77977 or by going on our website, wheatonbible.org give, or you can mail a check to our church offices. Thank you so much for the ways that you support ministry at this church. Now, before we take our offering, I'd like to invite Pastor Rabu up to pray for us. Good morning, and would you bow with me and let's pray together. Father, we are amazed at your grace, your grace in difficult days. We marvel to think that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross in our place for our sins. 
that we find in Jesus forgiveness, righteousness, eternal life, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and a future that is secure forever. We thank you for the presence of the Spirit among us in these days that are hard, these days that are uncertain, that uh, these days that contain a, a mix of fear on the one hand and confusion, and yet a, a, an awareness uh, that we are all part of your bigger plan and that you love us so richly and abundantly. And we know that because of what you've done for us in Christ. Father, today as we pray, I, I, I think of the students among us that have not been able to see their friends, not be able to sit in their classes, play their sports, play their instruments, all the thousands of different things that school in the springtime affords. And now as we move into May, we move into the season of graduation. And these uh, graduates can't be together with their friends and their peers that they've gone to school with for years. And we ask God that in, in the midst of this sorrow and this sense of loss, a loss of a sport, a loss of a band recital, a loss of just being together, I pray for our students and I pray that you would comfort them, that you would give them strength, that uh, they would learn from you in this moment of hardship and difficulty. We thank you for our students and I pray that you would bless them. And we think of the moms and dads and the families and the singles among us. We think of the different ages represented here at Wheaton Bible Church and people that are going through difficulty. Sometimes it's COVID related, sometimes often it's not. And I ask God that you would give us a sense of your presence, a sense of how much we are loved in the gospel. We thank you and we exalt you because you are our king and that in Jesus Christ you have drawn close and that this Jesus isn't a myth, it isn't a figment of our imagination, but it's the living Lord who lived among us, died for us, and now is just on the other side of sight. And we pray in his great name, amen. Well, today I'm super excited because we start a new series on the fascinating and famous, one of the most fascinating and famous books in the Bible, the Old Testament book of Proverbs. What the Super Bowl is to football, what Hamilton is to musicals, what Dude Perfect is to internet creativity, Proverbs is to wisdom. It overflows with wisdom. It offers us wisdom from all sorts of different angles. And not only is that especially important for us today, not only is this wisdom, living a life of wisdom, uh, critical for us because of this uh, hardship period of this COVID crisis, but also because our world is shifting underneath our feet. So what we find is that our relationships have become transactions. 
our values have become very thin. Our identities are fragile and our fulfillment is increasingly elusive. During the first four centuries of the Christian church, 80% of the evangelism that took place during those very difficult years didn't happen by pastors, but rather that evangelism evangelism took place by ordinary Christians who self and openly identified as Christians and who lived out and explained their Christianity uh, to their friends, to their family, to their circles of influence, their fellow students, uh, their fellow workers, The New Testament has a word for this social network that I just described, and it's the New Testament word, a Greek word, oikos. And it's our network, and whether you're 8 years old or 80 years old, you all have an oikos. You all have a social network of influence. And if we go back during this period, I mean this period of the first four centuries of the early church, What's amazing is that Christianity exploded throughout the Roman Empire. And at the heart of this explosion was Christians, I mean ordinary Christians, living wisely and compassionately. And so today, during this period of hardship, the world is changing around us. It's living lives wisely that will enable us to have such an influence on our social network, our relational network, our orcas. And that's why we are going to be studying the book of Proverbs. Actually, I had the the privilege of seeing this up close. I've seen it up close in a number of different ways. But when my son Ryan was in high school, shortly after his mother died of cancer, we began to study the book of Proverbs together. And sometimes our discussions would be short, but sometimes it would be long. And we studied the book of Proverbs over a period of a couple of months. And I got to say, in hindsight, it was one of the best things I ever did as a parent. And I still see the fruit of the wisdom from the book of Proverbs being played out, lived out, in Ryan's life. Now we're going to be in Proverbs for three months. And so I want to say to you kids, you students, tell your mom and dad that you think it's time you guys study the book of Proverbs together over these months and ask God to do incredible things that we learn so that we can learn together what it means to live wisely. Now, all that brings us to the beginning of the book of Proverbs. I'm going to read the first seven verses, which form the introduction to these 31 chapters. So follow with me as I read, beginning in Proverbs, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, for doing what is right and just and fair, 
for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, for sayings and the riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, in light of the New Testament, we can read this as the fear of Jesus is the beginning of knowledge. But fools, well, fools despise biblical wisdom and biblical instruction. Now, let's go back to verse 1. This is the title of the book of Proverbs. Actually, it's uh, sort of a common ancient Near Eastern title. Especially when you realize that Solomon wrote these Proverbs. He's the author of most of the book of Proverbs. About a thousand years before Jesus lived. So 3,000 years ago. And what I want you to see in this title are, are two things. First of all, we see that this book, these Proverbs will communicate God's truth by Proverbs. Now that's a small case P. What are Proverbs? Well, Proverbs are short wisdom statements that ooze insight. They just overflow with insight. Now we use modern Proverbs today, not necessarily these biblical Proverbs, but we use all sorts of modern Proverbs today. So let's take Stephen as an example. Stephen is a 16-year-old. He just recently got his driver's license. But on this particular Friday night, Stephen comes in way past curfew, way too late. And when he walks in, his dad meets him in the kitchen, is waiting for him to talk to him. And what does Stephen say? Well, the first words out of his mouth are, better late than never. Now, that's a modern proverb, not a biblical proverb. And then Stephen proceeds to lie about why he's late. But his dad is shrewd. Shrewd is a synonym for wise. And his dad sees through Stephen's lie. And he says, well, son, it's about time you learn in a big way that actions have consequences. Another modern proverb. And so, son, you're going to be grounded for the next week. No cell, no video games, no computer unless it's for school. But biblical proverbs are different than modern proverbs because these proverbs in the Bible assume a faith in God. They assume a robust faith in God. So, for example, they will describe all sorts of different areas of life. They will give us snapshots of what real faith in God looks like. In addition, verse 1 tells us that Solomon is the author of these Proverbs. Now, who was Solomon? Well, we're told Solomon is the king of Israel. He's the son of of a famous king, uh, King David. And this is significant because elsewhere in the Old Testament, we are told that Solomon was the wisest, possibly the richest man 
on earth during his day. Some people have speculated that Solomon was the wisest and the richest person that has ever lived relative to one's day and age. Solomon was a renaissance man. And by that I mean he was interested in everything. He was interested in everything because he believed that everything came from God. So Solomon in the Proverbs will talk about everything from anger to anxiety. He'll, he'll talk about parenting and marriage and friendships. About how to be a lifelong learner. About what compassion and caring for the poor looks like. And on and on. But in these Proverbs, Solomon will assume that you are paying attention to his words because you believe that Jesus is not merely useful, but you beautiful. And we all pay attention to what we love. So these Proverbs, these biblical Proverbs, assume a robust faith in Jesus. My Jesus isn't merely useful to me. He's beautiful. Now let's go on. Beginning in verse 2 through verse 6, Solomon unpacks for us in this introduction the purpose of these Proverbs. And he tells us the purpose of these Proverbs is to teach us to live wisely, to live a life of wisdom. Now the words wise and wisdom occur at least 125 times in these 31 chapters. And even in our verse, let's look at verse 2, we see a couple uh, synonyms for wisdom, instruction and understanding as you continue in verses 3 through verse 6. There's other words like discretion and knowledge and living in a way that is right and just and fair. Terms like guidance and living with prudence are also used. And all of these together are like facets of the one beautiful diamond called wisdom. Now what is wisdom in Proverbs? Wisdom is skillful living. Living life with skill. It's skill in living. So for example, in Exodus chapter 35, the same word is used to describe the skill of an artist. In other places, the skill of a musician. In Psalm 107, it's used to describe the know-how of a sailor. And in Proverbs, it means this incredible skill in living. So, for example, uh, wisdom, according to the Bible, isn't going on to a football field with your team hoping you will win. It's having a game plan, a well-thought-out, a well-conceived game plan in order to win. Now, what I love about the book of Proverbs is we have dozens and dozens of miniature game plans that tell us ahead of time 
what wisdom brought into a particular circumstance, brought into a particular situation looks like. Now, let me give you a personal illustration. I, over the years, uh, contend to be harsh. Harsh in my words. But it manifests itself primarily with the people I'm closest to. I think my wife, Rhonda. And so when I'm harsh with Rhonda, it not only ruins a moment, it ruins an evening, it may ruin a, a day. But in Proverbs, we have a game plan. A game plan so that we can be wise when the game unfolds. And it's found in chapter 15 and verse 1. Look at these beautiful words. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But what does a harsh word do? Well, a harsh word stirs up another person's anger. And again, let me say it. That verse gives me a game plan before the game. Because what it tells me is wisdom isn't responding in harshness when you're frustrated. Wisdom is, is responding with gentleness. Why? Because the one stirs up another person's anger. The other, gentleness, diffuses it. Now hear me in this. You can read a proverb like this in seconds. But you will spend a lifetime applying it. You see, these proverbs are like jolly ranchers. Hard candy. You don't bite into them and then immediately swallow them. Rather, you savor them. You turn them over and over with your tongue in your mouth. And you enjoy, forgive me moms, the sugar. And that's what we do. That's how we approach these Proverbs. And I want you to know I've been savoring this particular verse for years. And what I've seen slowly but surely over the years is that this area of weakness is becoming less a weakness and more commonly a strength. You see, it's wisdom in the book of Proverbs that isn't about making a living. It's about making a life. Now let me take this a step further because I want to go from the Old Testament to the New Testament for just a moment. So in the Old Testament, as seen in the book of Proverbs, what is wisdom? Wisdom is living skillfully. But when we come to the New Testament, this skillful living is clarified and it's described as walking with Jesus. So Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that Jesus has become for us wisdom from God. Jesus has become for us wisdom from God. And the New Testament goes on and argues that no matter how high your IQ, no, how, no matter how great your talents, how enormous your wealth, you will not live skillfully unless you walk with Jesus. So think about this with me for a moment. So how much you eat, for example... How much you drink, all issues addressed in these Proverbs. 
how much you work, how much you play, how you respond uh, to injustice, to frustration, to disappointment, uh, how you respond to the poor, how you satisfy the, uh, the longings of your heart are all ultimately rooted in your love for Jesus. And so we bring the New Testament into the Old Testament. You see, that's because you are what you love. And what you love determines what you pay attention to. And what you pay attention to determines whether you live wisely or foolishly. Now look, for example, with me at Colossians uh, chapter 2 and the end of verse 2 and verse 3. Christ, notice Paul says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, this is crazy cool. Jesus isn't just the ultimate personification of wisdom, but Jesus dishes out, if you will. Jesus, in grace and compassion, gives us, as we seek him, as we walk with him, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in the universe. And they become yours and they become mine to the extent we walk with Jesus. You see, according to the New Testament, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to turn your eyes away from yourself and to Jesus. But it's also the work of Satan to do just the opposite. To make you self-centered rather than Christ-centered. But you will never, uh, you will never find fulfillment by turning inward. It's who Jesus is, not who we are, that establishes, and here I'm going to go back to the beginning, our values, our relationships, our identities, and satisfies the deepest longings of our heart. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, I mentioned Dude Perfect at the beginning. Those of you that have young sons know exactly who Dude Perfect is. But for those of you that are older, like moi, uh, Dude Perfect is a group of five young men that all were roommates in college. And they do amazing things athletically with all sorts of basketballs, footballs, and on and on. And they have become an enormous internet sensation. They have become wealthy. But in the couple videos that I have watched, and I haven't watched a lot of them, but I've been impressed not only uh, with their creativity and, and their humility, how they're handling their fame, but also uh, with how outspoken they are about their faith in Jesus. In Christ you become skillful in living. Over the years, I've seen this in, in so many of you here at Wheaton Bible Church. In your love for the gospel. In your love for God's word. In your commitment to make a difference in your community, in your neighborhood at work. To seek the common good of the people around you. To serve the poor to step into a variety of different ministries like our Pointe ministry, 
to illustrate the compassion uh, for the vulnerable like Rosie did last Sunday in my interview with her. Uh, to give yourselves to seeing other people come to Christ. Oh, near the end of last week, I was emailing with a guy in our church that I just love. He's a biker. He's a big dude. And he's just been released. He was just released from the hospital. And he said, I was sent home, Rob, uh, with a blood clot in both of my lungs the size of my fist. Now, he's got big fists. And he says the doctors are competent. They will dissolve with medicine. But then in this short email that he fired back to me, he said something. This is one of the reasons I love him so much. He said, these pills got to work. They got to resolve dissolve rather uh, this clot or these clots because I've got to get after the business of sharing the gospel with my people. Now, he didn't say this, but I would add my oikos, my friends, my neighbors, uh, my buddies. In Christ, we learn to live skillfully. In Christ, we find a boldness to share the gospel. Now that brings us to, to the end of our passage and to verse 7. And in verse 7, we find the key to wisdom. Look at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now I want you to know knowledge is a synonym for wisdom, it's why we see the word wisdom in the second half of the verse. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge in the sense that it's the foundation of knowledge. What your foundation is to your house, the fear of the Lord is to living life skillfully. To walking with Jesus. And so, fear here... Let me take a minute to talk about fear, and then I'm going to talk about the Lord. The fear of the Lord here is not terror. It's not being afraid of God. It's instead, and, and this is a fine nuance, it's reverence and respect and awe. Characterized by a deep commitment to obey God's word. But on the other hand, this concept of fear is also love and trust. It's a warm-hearted affection for God and his word. Now think of the children in the Chronicles of Narnia. On the one hand, they revered Aslan. On the other hand, they loved him. They knew he wasn't safe but they knew he was good. Now, one of my favorite, a brilliant Old Testament commentator who is a professor of mine in, in seminary says, just as you can't separate butter from the word fly and come up with the concept of butterfly, in the same way, you can't separate fear 
and Lord and come up with the biblical concept of the fear of the Lord. Now I want to shift and talk about the Lord here because often my experience has been that we just focus primarily on what fear means for us and we miss who we are to fear and its rich biblical implications. So let me start by saying this. The God of the Bible is not a single person God. He is not the God of Islam. He is very different than Allah. Because the God of the Bible is a triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now this becomes significant because maybe a, triune, maybe a single person God could be more than the creator or the ruler. So, for example, maybe, just maybe, he could be loving. That's very much debated about Allah. But because of the Trinity, we know God is loving. He is described over and over in the Old Testament and the New Testament as the Father. And by the time we get to the New Testament, we discover he's the Father who shares and delights and delights in, the, in life with his son, together in fellowship with the Spirit. And all of that, amazingly, before the creation, before the foundation of the world. So look how Jesus puts it. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So what is creation about? Creation is about the Father, by the Spirit, sharing his love for the Son with others. So that we might share in loving the Father as Jesus loves the Father by the power of the Spirit. At the center of the universe, uh, before the creation of the universe, is a God of love. Now I say that because God isn't some distant, single-person God that doesn't really care about you, doesn't really have the time uh, to notice you. That's not the biblical God. At his very essence, he's a triune God who is infinite in love and compassion and mercy. Now, are you aware that there are both atheists and anti-theists? The one denies the existence of God. The other argues that if God exists, it would really be bad. So, for example, one of the leading anti-theists is a scholar by the name of Christopher Hitchens. And he argues that if God exists, it would be like all of us living in North Korea. Now, I happen to think underneath both the mistaken views of atheism and anti-theism isn't so much the issue of whether God exists or not, but who God is. What is his character? 
But if God is not a single person God, if he's a triune God who has existed in harmony and love and delight and joy before the very creation of the universe, then that means the God of the Bible doesn't rule from a distance harshly. But that he is warm-hearted, that he is merciful and he is compassionate. And a Brit by the name of Michael Reeves, in his delightful book, Delighting in the Trinity, suggests that maybe one of the reasons that atheism and anti-theism has increased so rapidly in our world today is because the church of Jesus Christ has retreated on the Trinity. And all this to say, when you put the biblical concept of fear, this affectionate reverence that bends to obey God, to obey the word of God, that bends the knee to God, when you put together this concept of fear in the Bible with a biblical view of the God of the Bible, the Lord of the Bible, this triune God who at the center is a God of love, who overflows in love. And when you put these two concepts together, man, man, oh man, you will live life wisely. And boy, do I want that for you. So, quickly, what is the application? First, everything in your life depends on who, how you view, view God. For example, single person, triune God. A God who rules merely or a God who is love. Second, if all this is true, then you have no worries because the ruler of the universe is your father. And in Jesus Christ, you have been adopted into God's family. And you have been given the Holy Spirit that indwells you to empower you to overcome adversity like we're experiencing right now throughout the world. And also to live life wisely, skillfully. Application number three. Every morning you wake up, you bump. That's a typo into God. You bump into God. Now, the God you're bumping into is a living God. And this is why you seek him. This is why you worship him, why you pray, why you read his word. Because every morning, every day, throughout the day, you continually, repeatedly bump into a God who has not just created you, but in Jesus Christ who has redeemed you and who is always, always present with you and loves you. And then fourth, the fear of the Lord isn't merely understanding as much as it is trusting. Now, Proverbs is hardly a call to ignorance, right? We've got to understand that. But if verse 7 is the key The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. And if God is a God of love, then there will be moments, many moments in your life that you simply do not understand. God, what in the world are you doing? 
but there will never be a moment when you cannot trust God. God, I know you are loving. In the children's book, Wind in the Willows, the author has a little section where the rat and the mole are looking for baby otter. And instead of finding baby otter, they bump into the presence of God. And here's what the author tells us. Suddenly the mole felt a great awe, awe here is capitalized, fall upon him. An awe that turned his muscles to water, bowed his head, and I love this, rooted his feet to the ground. It was no panic terror. Indeed, he felt wonderfully at peace and happy. Rat, he whispered. Are you afraid? Afraid, murmured the rat, his eyes shining with unutterable love. Afraid? Afraid of him? Oh, no, never. And yet, oh, mole, I am very much afraid. Then the two animals, crouching to earth, bowed their heads and did worship. Now, all this to say, (coughs) when this fear of the Lord takes root in your heart, your oikos will know because you can't keep the God you know to yourself. And let's pray. Father, we are amazed at your love, the love that you have for us in Jesus Christ. And we honor you And exalt you because from eternity past all the way through eternity future, if we can even talk that way, you have been, you are, and you will be a God of love. So give us wisdom, God. Give us discernment that we might live lives skillfully because our lives are characterized by walking with Jesus. And we pray in the wonderful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's proclaim God's greatness and respond to his word with one more hymn together.
Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We love you, and Wheaton Bible Church, you are sent. Have a great day. from the guest services team. Uh, special shout out before we get started here to guest services. Whoop, whoop. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. It was really, really nice having you worship with us today digitally. I don't know if you're like me, uh, but this has been incredibly difficult. Uh, this pandemic, uh, the shelter in place, it has been very, very hard. And I know that each of us are experiencing that in our own unique ways. As you can see here, you look behind me, I'm sitting in my kids' learning space. Uh, you got the alphabet behind me. Don't let that distract you. And I know many of you find yourselves in a similar position as I am here. And I just wanted to make sure that you knew that we here at Wheaton Bible Church, we do not believe that we were created for isolation. We believe that we were created to be in community. And we have an excellent opportunity for you to be able to jump into community here at our church through these things called life groups. Uh, and if you've never heard of it before, that's okay. Uh, we actually have an experience coming up on May 28th uh, that we would like to invite you into called the Rooted Experience. And this will give you uh, the groundwork of what it means to be in a life group. And I can promise you, if you jump into this 10 week experience, You'll have an opportunity to meet new people, uh, to build potential lifelong connections, and definitely to grow in your faith walk with Christ. So please uh, go to our website in order to get registered at wheatonbible.org slash rooted. And we would love to see you there. So the other thing that I'm just really, really excited to talk to you about today, uh, as I had mentioned, I'm in guest services and I haven't had a chance to host anyone in a really long time. But today, we're going to be trying a brand new thing called an after party. And so immediately following the contemporary service, uh, the service that's after 1030, we are going to have an after party in a Zoom conference chat. 
This is a new thing, but this gives us an opportunity to connect. Uh, this gives you a chance to be able to connect with a pastor, uh, to connect with me, and potentially even connect with other people who are around the church. So if that's something that sounds interesting to you and you'd like to join us, please head on over to our Facebook page and you will get all the instructions. You can go to Wheaton Bible Church Facebook and you can get all of the instructions on how to join that Zoom after party. I would love to host you there. Please, please, please join us. Uh, so that's all for today. Again, I'm so thankful that you chose to spend part of your weekend worshiping with us here at Wheaton Bible. Have a great day. Bye.